Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, November 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Donald Trump defies Beijing and shows his support for Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement. Christine Lagarde wants climate change to be a top priority at the European Central Bank. And sexist remarks from billionaire asset manager Ken Fisher didn't stop investors from putting more money with his firm last month. Plus, the FT's Benjamin Parkin explains what's behind India's deepening economic slowdown. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Last night, President Donald Trump signed two bills supporting Hong Kong's pro-democracy protesters. The president ratified the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which U.S. lawmakers overwhelmingly passed last week. The bill means that the U.S. government must re-examine Hong Kong's special trade status every year. The second bill Mr. Trump signed deals with the actual force being used against protesters. The U.S. will now block new export licenses for tear gas, rubber bullets, and handcuffs being sent to the Hong Kong police force. Mr. Trump said he signed the bills out of respect for China, Hong Kong's people, and China's President Xi Jinping. Beijing had already condemned the first bill and urged the White House not to pass it into law. The U.S. president's actions are likely to make Beijing more upset. And remember, the U.S. is still negotiating with China over getting a, quote, phase one trade deal done. The head of the ECB is pushing for climate change to be part of a strategic review of the bank's purpose. Christine Lagarde has made it clear that she wants to make climate change a, quote, mission-critical priority. The ECB's review agenda still needs to be finalized, but two people involved in the discussion say the environment will likely be featured. This is the first comprehensive review of the central bank since 2003. But Ms. Lagarde will probably get some pushback. Some Eurozone central bankers argue that climate change should be left to the EU's national governments to handle through fiscal policy, not monetary policy. Meanwhile, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen is about to unveil her first landmark climate change policy package. And last month, Ken Fisher made lewd and sexist comments at a conference. He compared wooing wealthy clients to, quote, trying to get into a girl's pants. But that didn't put off some people from doing business with Fisher Investments. The firm hit a record high of $115 billion of assets under management at the end of October. The FT's Jennifer Oblon has more. The backlash against Ken Fisher has been fast and furious. We saw a lot of institutional investors, including Goldman Sachs, uh, Fidelity, a lot of public pension funds, yank funds out of his firm, Fisher Investments. So about $4 billion of cash have been pulled from his fund since that October 8th controversy or debacle, uh, however you want to cast it. So we're talking, when you say pension, you're talking the city of Boston, Mayor Marty Walsh came out and said, you know, this was this was not OK. There were some people who weren't deterred by his comments. Who, who were they? 
Exactly. Uh, Retail investors, private clients, 401k money have not been deterred from putting money to work with Fisher Investments. And there is a huge distinction between those types of clients and the public pension funds that you bring up. Now, the city of Boston and other big pension funds have constituents that they have to answer to. That's very different from what we're seeing. And the bulk of the money that Ken Fisher oversees include retail investors. Now, those retail investors are pretty much divorced from the negative headlines that the media have been all over. That's something that has really saved the company. It's not just the retail investors that are sticking with him and putting money to work. It's the fact that the stock markets have been surging 20, 25 percent. So when you see the market rally the way that they have, Retail investors, existing and new clients, will start putting money to work. And it's no surprise that they're chasing this type of performance and putting their assets with Ken Fisher, which is what I've been told. And here's a story you should know more about. India's third quarter growth figures are due out tomorrow. And the mood among economists is grim. Not that long ago, India was the world's fastest-growing economy. But recently, under Prime Minister Narendra Modi, GDP growth has slowed from the 8% annual rate it hit at one point last year. Last month, it tumbled to 5%. The FT's Ben Parkin talks to me from Mumbai about how Mr. Modi's economic policies have influenced things. Well, his pitch when he was first elected in 2014 was fast economic growth, development, and jobs. So, you know, he came to power very much as a reformer who would help to bring about a real transformation in the Indian economy and put an end to moribund period under his predecessor. So he brought about some programs to boost manufacturing, to boost startups, foreign investment, he introduced a new tax code, And he most controversially introduced what's known as demonetization, which was basically a shock, more or less overnight decision to cancel the majority of the country's cash in circulation with the stated aim of clamping down on corruption. But it's it's far from clear that that one worked. So, Ben, can you talk about the reality of India's economy right now? Yeah. So Modi was reelected to a second term earlier this year. Since then, the picture has darkened quite dramatically. First of all, India has for several years under Modi enjoyed its status as the fastest growing large economy in the world. But only days after he was re-elected, the GDP data showed that it had fallen behind China. So growth has now slowed to 5%, which is the lowest in six years. Obviously, that doesn't sound so bad by European or North American standards, but it's far, far short of what's needed to create those jobs that he'd promised. And the effects are being felt across the economy. So the car industry, for example, has been in sort of a meltdown for several months. Manufacturing has suffered and joblessness earlier this year was reported to be at the highest level in decades. Okay, so what is... What has this meant for foreign investment in India? Well, India has long had a reputation as a difficult place to do business. You know, it's bureaucratic, 
can be a lot of holdups and foreign investors can quickly find that their life turns into a nightmare. But they've persevered for the most part because of what they see as the country's potential economically, you know, rising incomes, economic development, and hundreds, literally hundreds of millions of people becoming consumers of their products. So that's a, you know, an opportunity you'd be hard pressed to find anywhere else in the world. But of course, if economic growth starts to slow, and then it has the, the various knock-on effects on incomes, on consumption, etc., that narrative becomes harder to sustain and investment into India becomes harder to justify. So we've got growth numbers for the latest quarter out on Friday. What can we expect then? Well, a number of economists have forecast that growth will slow even more and fall closer to something like 4% or in that, in that region. And certainly, I think the prevailing view is that the worst isn't yet over. Other indicators have continued to show that the condition of the economy has deteriorated since the last round of GDP figures. But it's interesting to note that the stock market has been on a gravity-defying run and just breaking record high after record high, which is totally out of sync with what seems to be happening in the economy. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.